Yo, Mook. Mook. What? How come you got no brothers up on the wall? Man, ask Sal, right? Hey, hey, Sal, how come you got no brothers up on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want. You see? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Take it easy, and huh? And you, hey, don't stop me today. What? Yeah, that might be fine, Sal, but uh, you, you own this. Rarely do I see any American Italians eating in here. All I see is black folks. So since we spend much money here, we do have some set. You looking for trouble? Are you a troublemaker? Is that what you are? You making trouble? Yeah, I'm a troublemaker. I'm making trouble. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan. I'm back for another edition of the Wocast. Joining me is Chisanga Malata and Kyra Spodley. What's going on, guys? You alright, man? How you doing? I'm not bad. I've um, been uh, in the kitchen cooking uh, as it's my um, other half's birthday today. She celebrated in quarantine and uh, it took me at least... 45 minutes to take everything out of the packet and put it in the oven so yeah job done <laughs> hey man it's, it's strenuous work peeling off those uh those film lids for the microwavable stuff man it's it's hard work you know something i got a paper cut removing one of them so yeah it's it's quite hazardous be careful out there folks how about you guys what have you been up to uh, I've actually been working uh, over the weekend, so my girlfriend has just been sat on fiance. I need to actually say start saying that. Gosh, if she if she <laughs> listens to this this week's episode, she's gonna be pissed. But uh, back to my point, yeah. So she's just been sat watching me type away and just trying to be a, a good distraction. So yeah, that's been the the highlight of my weekend, really. Uh, you, Kairos? I've been planning out my life. You guys don't understand. See, most people most people have a regular plan. Me, I have a master plan. I've been putting together how much I have to make every single week to get the camera, to get the laptop, to get everything I need. And by the end of this month, oh, I will have transcended mankind. I am so happy. Like, oh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Wow, that is some serious plans. You know what? I love a cheeky segue, as you know. Speaking of plans, speaking of planners... Dana White, he's been doing some serious planning and uh, I have to say he's, he's come back with um, some mega plans. May 9th is going to be when they kick off, eventually they kick off now, UFC 249. May 9th kicks off what seems to be a period of around, what, 10 days of mixed martial arts. May 9th, May 13th and May 16th is going to be basically a smorgasbord for us who have been hungering for mixed martial arts but then again it's obviously against a backdrop of a pandemic and um you know to take this the right way i hope you will take this the right way but you know let's just take a second let's just marvel at the man's balls how big the man's balls how shiny the man's balls are because those are some big balls to be doing what he's doing right here, right now, against the backlash, back or back, a backlash, a backlash of opinions. Now, the fact is, he's going to have a captive audience, so I can understand where he's coming from. 
No, I, I, I agree totally with you. Um, I mean, his job is to, to put on fights come rain, hail, thunderstorm, tornadoes or, or whatever, or, or evidently a, a global pandemic, and, and he's doing it. Now, after the, the, second cancel, well, the second cancellation, yeah, the second cancellation of UC249, where mm-hmm. ESPN and uh, my man Mickey Mouse had to step out of the office and tell Dana White, you can't do this. I thought that there's no there's no way in hell that they're going to be able to proceed ahead with White's plans of having a show go on next month. I thought at the earliest it would the fights would be taking place at Fight Island in June, but Dana's well and truly proven me and many others wrong by managing to get not one but three shows at an arena in Florida. But talking about Florida, that that's a whole nother. Kettle of, kettle of fish considering the fact that they've deemed sports essential during this time I think the governor Ron DeSantis was the one who made that call I'm not 100% sure on that given the current situation that we're in but I mean it's providing us MMA media MMA Twitter just even sports fans across the globe the opportunity to take in some live actions so I think if it brings a glimmer of happiness to some people it will be good but only if there are no complications or nothing goes wrong with it. I don't know. From a fan's point of view, because, okay, we're, we're three fans here, regardless of which way you want to slice this in terms of where our professions lie and where we're coming from in terms of perspectives. But we're three fans here. Are we wrong to get excited considering where we've been uh, of recent times in that? I feel like the Grand Old Duke of York, to be honest with you, but he's marched us up to the top of the hill and he's marched us down again am I getting unduly excited here Mm, no I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so like it's natural I mean if the UFC in any other circumstances putting this global pandemic to a side if the UFC told us that they're going to do three fight cards in in the space in the space of uh, 10 days as you said we'd be all over the moon and so you're right to get excited I'm right to get excited as well, but at the same time, we're also right to have reservations about the card going ahead. How about you, Kairos? I mean, this card is, you know, for want of a better word, it's a sick card. Francis Ngannou, Yorin Jardino, Rosenstruck, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, Tonal Cerrone, Andy Pettis, okay, Greg Hardy, Jorgen Castro. I mean, to be honest with you, this card is sick. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm excited. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and try and save face. I'm excited. Yeah, shouldn't be going on. Probably not. But I'm not gonna sit here now and continue to condemn it because it seems like it's coming, regardless of what we think. Now I know that we have burning questions which we're just gonna uh, run through. Um, my first question for this whole event, I have to say, before we go into, obviously, the burning issues that we have brought to the table this week, my burning uh, question for this whole event is testing. What about the testing? I haven't heard enough to infuse me or to make me feel as though, you know, this isn't worthy of actually bringing up because there seems to be a lot of, um, I don't want to take telemedia anything narrative coming from dana white and that i think i mentioned on the last podcast that is a wrong move bring us on side tell us be transparent basically set our fears aside and my fear and i keep on banging on about this is 
just as long as the fighters are safe and it is safe to hold these bouts I'm happy but right now there is in the back of my mind and it is uh whoa it started off as a quiet voice it is now actually shouting there is not enough testing being discussed talked about unpacked how are they actually going to ensure that this is going to be safe and this whole don't worry about it I'm not telling the media anything doesn't actually build any confidence within me yeah I'm in complete agreement with you it it doesn't wash with me the the fact that Dana just is keeping it on a need to know basis. Now I can understand from his perspective, given the fact that uh, as soon as the the Touchy Palace information came down, that the the SW social justice warriors, as Dana White would call them, got the event shut down in in, in his sense. But when it comes to something like something which is the most paramount as well as something like athlete safety not even athlete safety the the safety of his own staff and then the safety of their families and the safety of the people who will be keeping the lights on at the arena you have to be transparent and you have to say what protocols and what precautions you're going to take to ensure that they don't get this killer disease and i know some people are going to say that oh you're highlighting killer disease it kills less of people than the flu but look at the evidence look at the numbers it's this is no joke and again it I know I'm very happy to be watching fights. I mean, Tony versus Gaethje and Francis versus Yarzinho are two fights that are unbelievable and fights that we've been wanting to see for a long time. But mm. at the same time, the backdrop and the situation that it's it's coming in, I, I, I can't help but have reservations. And those reservations, as you say, are making me scream for Dana White to just tell us how they're going to test fighters if they're going to give tests to fighters before, during and after fight week, and if they're going to test their teams as well, because obviously not only are the fighters in danger, it's their, their coaches who also in this current climate have to make a paycheck. I mean, okay, it hasn't dampened down my enthusiasm, but someone I know is obviously is equally enthusiastic about this as I am, is Kairos. Now, I've seen your hype video, Kairos. I've seen, you know, how hyped you were about the whole announcement. Uh, it was crazy hype. Didn't, like, a voice in the back of your head kind of, like, pipe up and say, hey, 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 what about the, uh, what about the, uh, testing, see? Yeah, it, it did. No, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, like, like a, like a 1920s gangster. Yeah, how about the testing, see? <laughs> Maybe like 1840. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> but, yeah, like I was thinking that. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't. But also, speaking about drug testing, I'm wondering what USADA is also doing for PEDs as well. Did they take a break too during this? Are they essential? Are they non-essential? So if I hadn't even about thought of that. Testing also, like, yeah, like people aren't just going to stop cheating just because people are out here getting sick. Like, mm. So I'm wondering, are they going to test for COVID and USADA shows up or is it in between? Are we like... Because I'm starting to think they aren't drug testing. I, I, I legit don't think they've been drug testing. And I don't like, how are they going to go by, go about doing this? Pride rules, my friend. We do not test you for oh steroids. <laughs> probably true, though. <laughs> yeah, that will definitely raise the bar. You know, speaking of raising the bar, on Tuesday, um, PFL, they had a massive announcement. Their CEO, Pete Murray, via a... Um, press release they put out the fact that their 2020 season was being postponed till spring 2021 now the real kind of like talking point around all of this 
is the fact that one it's a big deal they're getting ahead of <clears throat> what looks like it's going to be a long-term um um turn of events where things are aren't going to get back to normal as quickly as everybody thought so putting off in 2021 is obviously i think getting is getting ahead of the story getting ahead of the narrative but the real talking point for me around this was the monthly stipend which they actually announced it will be a type of bonus it won't be actually an advance it won't be taken for any of the roster's pay that they were due uh, or any bonuses now that for me I think set the bar that actually is a very very good way of actually reassuring fighters you're not just a commodity you're not just you know something that we rely and we will milk basically we look at we're looking at you and your individual concerns and we're meeting that we're going to ensure that through the stipend you're going to be taken care of now that initially that filled me with well really it, it, it made me feel you know quite proud but Several days later, it transpires that the majority of the roster are safe, but they are looking at trimming back a few of the names on there. And I thought, well, okay, that's how you're actually going to be coming up with this um, stipend, which is going to be taking care of the majority of fighters. So I reached out to Alex Lahore, which is still available on demand. It was an interview about 20 minutes or so that we spoke, and we spoke in detail about, first of all, him being signed to the Fight, uh, professional fighters league but also you know his take on the whole well postponement of the 2020 um uh league until 2021 and, and one of the things which was quite you know reassuring to hear was that this wasn't really something which is a, a surprise to him he knew about all of this before it was out in the open he had been told by his management who'd obviously been told by the pfl this is what we're planning to do and i just thought again 10 out of 10 for communications again 10 out of 10 for looking after your fighters but again um it looked as though that they kind of raised the bar in you know drawing a line that other people hopefully will follow because they, in the scheme of things, and I don't know if you gentlemen agree, but I don't really see PFL as even the number three promotion out there. Um, I think what they're doing is real, well, standard-bearing stuff. What do you reckon? Yeah, it, it, they are setting the bar well and truly. Once I saw the, uh, I think it was MMA <coughs> Fighting who, who initially broke the news, or no, in fact, I, I do believe it was fan-sided. I've got to give that's the, right, that's right. yeah, that's correct. I've got to give props to the people who actually reported the news first. Um, yeah, once once I saw that they would be giving a monthly stipend, I my initial reaction was like, wow, this is as you said, this is probably arguably the number four uh, mixed martial arts organization in in the world, and they are managing to stump up the the cash. I do believe it's something like they're giving their fighters one thousand dollars a month or something like that. I know it doesn't sound like a lot in the grand scheme of purses the fighters make, but if you put it into perspective, that could be a mortgage payment for somebody for maybe a month yeah. or even two months, and that that's that's a stress off their shoulders. But like you said, once you found out that the information, like uh, that their their ability to issue this stipend is coming from them cutting some of their roster, yeah, I I I, I had to give it the stanky eye, man, because I I just thought you've you've come out and you've released this information tr trying to make it look as if you're 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 taking care of all your fighters but at the same time you're clearly not taking care of all the fighters and the ones who you probably deem to be 
the the bottom feeders of of, of the tank are inevitably going to find themselves in financial hardship. Yeah. So it's it's a tough one, and I, I, I it, perhaps I'm I'm being a bit crazy here or whatever. But if you really really wanted to take care of your fires, maybe don't pay Roy McDonald so much if you know what I mean. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's very true though. He he'll be the highest earner in 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 PFL. So yeah, I mean. That means you, you could take care of, I don't know how many fighters with whatever you're giving Roy McDonald. Now, I know that's completely unfair and people would be right to, to say that to me. But I think if you're going to give out $1,000 to, let's even say it's maybe two-thirds of the roster and one-third of the roster are, are going to be disposed of or relieved of their, their duties, you've got to be able to make sure you can cover everybody. Like, it's it, it can't be for the... It can't be the... I was about to say it can't be for 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 the few and not the many, but you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. You have to take yeah. care of everybody. Yeah, I was about to. Com- I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to comment that, and I didn't want to be the only person who brought that up. Like it just brings me to this like analogy in my mind where I see like a surgeon has to amputate a part of a patient's body off, but he amputates the wrong part of the body. So it's like, well, dang, you're gonna amputate the right part soon, but you still did the wrong thing. And I don't like the fact that they had to lay off the amount of by a certain amount of fighters, I don't know what up, whatever amount it was, but I'm not going to sit here and act like what they're doing is completely bad. But I'm curious to see who's getting that money as well. If Lance Palmer's getting a check for $1,000, that's just ridiculous. The man just won a million dollars. If Kayla's getting 1000 she just won a million. Like, I wanna, I'm very curious to see who's getting this money because I feel like there's certain fighters that they should have just been like, listen, we know you've made at least like let's say 70 i'm just gonna throw this number out let's say you made seventy thousand this year we shouldn't be giving you any money if, let's just let's just be real if there's a guy who's sitting on this roster making like five thousand definitely those people need to the people who are making the least should have been the people getting the money the first and i'm i'm just assuming that that's what they did i'm not going to sit here and say they didn't do that but i just really hope that's <clears> the case and it's sad to see that they had to lay off a, a decent number of fighters because i'm not going to lie i've been rooting for the pfl for a minute I don't always tweet about it because I know that most of the people who like who like my content don't care about the PFL, unfortunately. And then they'll be like, why are you posting this? Da, 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 da. So, but I love the PFL. I love Invicta. Like the, I love so many organizations. But PFL is one of the front runners, the ones that I really appreciate. My whole thing about this, though, is this. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I hear where you're coming from in that, you know, somebody somewhere along the line has got to bear the brunt of bad news. And it would seem as though, ultimately, I I think, you know, Pete Murray is trying to do the right thing. But, you know, if you look at all the organisations right now, I mean, let's just go to the top tier. People like, or or organisations like the UFC and um, Bellator. Again, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I'm not sure if you saw, it was a story reported on by Ariel Hawani where the UFC tried to take care of those people on the um, UFC's um, London card and um, they paid them each uh, £20,000. Now, somewhere along the line, someone's going to be a bit pissed off about that and somewhere along the line, people are going to be delighted and happy. If you're at the top or echelon of that card, you're going to be mightily pissed. And um, I don't want to name any names, but the higher up the card that you get... um, the people that I've spoken to now, I think it'd be a bit unjust of me to kind of like reveal who they were, but the people who I've spoken up and um, further along the, the, the card, they were pissed, but 
the UFC, I think, you know, their heart was in the right place, just as moving this back to PFL, they tried to do something, they tried to alleviate the financial stress, the financial burden, and, you know, in the same breath, have, you know, pissed people off. Now, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, is the way I see this. Yeah, I've, I I agree with you. And some of the fighters, I, I spoke to a couple on uh, who were on the 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 fire card that was never was, uh, and they said that the UFC essentially they they paid for um they paid for camp expenses. Now, as you said, for some of the fighters on the lower end of the scale, that's that like that's that's a godsend. I mean, you're getting twenty twenty grand for not fighting. You might not even be getting twenty grand. You might be. I think what's the lowest UFC contract now? It might be, it might be seven and seven, or whatever. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. But some of the the higher fighters who I spoke to, off the record, they were they were peeved. But going back to the the, the PFL and, mm. and and the point that Kyra said that Lance Palmer and Kayla Harrison they don't need to be getting a thousand dollars. So you you would hope that they are potentially the ones who are excluded from this uh, the stipend group and the money is being uh, given out elsewhere so next up what we've got on the table right what's the next discussion point point? well i i think for me and i think this kind of went under the radar i do believe it was on thursday and maybe friday morning in the uk i uh, correct feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but i think one of the biggest stories of the of the week was Robert Whitaker coming out and revealing why he withdrew from his uh, proposed clash with Jarek Hennenier. Now, that was meant to take place at UFC 248. Uh, UFC 248. That was only last month. Lockdown has already frazzled my my memory. I've lost track of time and <laughs> months already. But yes, um, back to that point. There were a lot a lot of rumors floating about, about over Whitaker's withdrawal. And I think the one that was gaining the most traction on MMA Twitter was that he was donating bone marrow to his daughter. Now, for me, as soon as I saw that information, I was like, you can't be reporting anything like this without verification from the family or in any sorts. And lo and behold, that information turned out to be false because Whitaker, in a really, really open and touching interview with the Daily Telegraph in Australia, he revealed that essentially he was burnt out and he was dealing with some mental health issues. Now, it's very, very rare. And I, I, the only fighter I can think of in recent memory who even touched about the, men, the, stresses of, uh, the mental health stresses that fighting entails was Darren Till ahead of his fight with uh, Kelvin Gasolum at uh, UFC 244. So it was very refreshing for me to see Whitaker so openly discuss his mental health issues and the effects it was having on 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 himself. I think at one point he was talking about he was doing uh, sand dune runs on Christmas Day, and then he just stopped and he said, "What the f am I doing here?" And I do believe the quote afterwards was, "And the, from that moment is when everything crashed." What's your thoughts on, on on it, guys? Because for me, it really did hit home how how often we potentially overlook fighters' mental health. I think it's kind of commendable when you think about it because there is a lot of stigma around mental health, especially given the sport is about toughness, given the sport is about being robust and given the sport is quite taxing, not just physically, but mentally to come out and actually say that you are having mental health 
issues and mental health worries and mental health um, troubles, I think should be commended. I'm not sure if you you remember um, Jasanga, but a while back, um, our very own uh, Geordie Shaw's uh, or ex Geordie Shaw, um, Aaron Chalmers, was talking about his mental health struggles, anxiety. Again, this is a man who's quite vocal about you know ripping apart opponents and talking about how he's going to be you know dominant and how he's going to actually you know be triumphant in the ring or in the cage. Sorry. Now that gives your opponent. I feel um, an advantage over you if they can find a chink in your armor. Similarly with James Gallagher, he recently came out and said that he struggled uh, with mental health issues and with mental health full stop. So I think it's by and large commendable when fighters come out and do this. But I think there is a, a potential for that to be exploited. But no, I mean, first and foremost, I'm really pleased, considering, you know, in my day job, I do work quite extensively across the uh, mental health spectrum. I, I do feel that it's commendable that this is becoming part and parcel of an ongoing dialogue and and, and uh, increasing amount of fighters are actually talking about mental health issues openly. Yeah, I don't just in combat sports and in reality i think this is a common problem that we always see and people think that showing yourself to be vulnerable is a sign of weakness or it's something that shouldn't be happening but the truth of the matter is this vulnerability is human it's it proves that you are a human being it proves that we exist we are people of feelings it doesn't matter about your occupation just because i fight doesn't mean i'm a fighter i'm a human being who happens to compete in martial arts I think a lot of people have failed to separate that line. And because of that, they see these people as not people, but as competitors. And that's just not fair. There are people. I saw an interview the other day about a person who was speaking on how women are perceived differently in terms of like men when cutting extreme amounts of weight. And they were talking about how a lot of the time her her biggest struggle is dealing with people who just come out there and just disrespect her for no apparent reason just because they think that she can take it and they'll be like, oh, well, I was just trying to get a reaction or, oh, I was just trying to do that in the third and they don't realize this is a person. If someone was doing it to you, you would feel the complete opposite. Like, you would feel so bad about it. And I feel like because we love combat sports and because these people see a person like Diego Sanchez's nose bloody all over his face and he's chanting yes and he's still marching forward through strikes. They think that you aren't a human being. They think that nothing can hurt you and that's not true. I'm I'm so happy that Robert Whitaker and other fighters do this and talk about their problems and hardships because it is an, it is a serious issue. And I think that the more and more fighters come out and talk about this, the better our ecosystem will be. But also, it could have the adverse effect like how you were just pointing out a fighter could just say nah fuck that i heard you have mental health issues i'm gonna talk about your mental health issues mm. on this microphone in front of five thousand yeah. people so it's like it's that double-edged sword and there are always going to be people who take advantage of it we can't sit here and act like no one's going to stoop that low because people have done it <laughs> people have done it and it's not going to stop so i don't know what the answer is and I think as well, if you look at what happened recently with Tony Ferguson, when a journalist, and I thought rather sensitively, raised the issue that um, Tony Ferguson recently um, was going through himself, it was a mental health issue. He raised that in, I thought, a sensitive way. And Tony Ferguson shut him down and shut him down in a in a quite a, an aggressive way. So not everybody wants to be as open as um, you know, someone like Robert Whitaker or someone like Aaron Chalmers, because they do fear as though you know it will be used 
in the wrong way. Now, take it for what it was that when the journalist actually raised it, it wasn't being used in the wrong way, but it was perceived, I believe, by Tony Ferguson that it was more of a shot than a question. I, 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 I agree with that diagnosis. I, I do believe he told the guy to to, to F off as well. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I... I I, I, Tony's Tony's episode. I do believe it, it was it was last March or so. That that was very scary to read, and it seems that he's he's back now. On on, I, I don't want to say the term straight and narrow, but he, he's meant. If I don't want to say mentally sound of mind either, because I I sound inconsiderate. But it seems that he's in a good place now. So one would hope that eventually that he'd feel open enough to to talk about the the issues that that he went through. But going back to, to Robert Whitaker and, and even Darren Till, because those are the two guys in the UFC who I can only th- think of off the top of my head, who have, as well as Whitaker now, they've openly talked about their, um, their mental health struggles. I hope that this is a catalyst for fighters doing the same. And I know what Kyra said is a very valid point, and you brought up as well, Mike, that there will be those who feel that they can cross that line and say that, oh, you broke down over this or whatever. But... I think given the way that people are viewing mental health around men in general and, and in females as well, but there is a stigma about men coming out and uh, admitting that they need help, you'd hope that that starts a trend where fighters can feel that they're comfortable enough and that the fans and their colleagues aren't going to get onto them about opening up about such a personal issue. Oh, definitely. And that's kind of like reflective of society. It's still stigmatised in society. People, you know, have a misunderstanding. And I think, you know, I understand why people don't understand because I think there's two things. One, people don't want to understand. It does uh, make people feel a little bit uncomfortable to talk about vulnerabilities, full stop. But as well as that, there is, um, well, th- there is this kind of like perception that, oh, well, you've gone through, you know, a quote unquote episode, you should be okay now. You actually live with mental health issues um, for far longer than the episode, if that makes sense. So for a lot of people, they it's an ongoing management of a condition, whether it be bipolar, whether it be um, anxiety, whether it be depression. It's something which you are managing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. So it's not just something that, you know, just happens and then you kind of like move on. Do you see what I mean? I complete agreement with you in that. It's a lot lot of people... And I hate the old saying, uh, just like, just suck up and get over it. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. That I, I think that 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 saying needs to get in the bin. Is that's my favorite phrase because it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot harder than people think just to to overcome these things and not just push them to the back of your head and then they manifest in an even worse way. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I agree. That yeah, the Ponder and Labasur. That needs to go on the trash. What was that man's name? His name was, I believe, Rodney James, who uh did that. Um I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, that was his name, Rodney James. I felt bad for him too. Like he I I legitimately thought he was just trying to be a nice guy and like commend him and then get with this question and just had the opposite effect. But I, that's unfortunate that that happened, yeah. But that's just it. A lot of people kind of aren't aware of Well, not everybody wants to talk about their mental state, their mental health. And, you know, to someone like Tony, who at that point was actually in a zone. If you look at how that whole scenario played out, that press conference, he was almost on a knife edge throughout because 
when the face-off um, occurred, you could see that, that there was something going on there, a little bit more than, you know, he was letting letting, letting on. And it was almost as though he was pushing that down. And, um, you know, that one comment, I, I feel, really did set him off. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. But it, as you say, it tests to the fact that this is a it's it's an ongoing thing for for everybody that has mental health issues and these things can unfortunately come to fruition at any time and like a, a heightened press conference with somebody who you've meant to punch in the face nearly five years ago yeah. is is it's probably going to bring something up like that but also i want i want to give credit to habib who th- throughout the tony ferguson issue for which has been going on for like a year now he's He's well. He's been sending message, well wishes to to Tony and wishing it, wishing him a, a speedy recovery. And he's just refrained from from talking about the issue every time journalists have brought it up. When it would be very easy to speak it about it at, at nauseum. So I think he deserves props for that. Oh, definitely. What's up next? What are you bringing to the table, Kairos? Listen, guys, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how just when people start loving Tyron Woodley, people start hating him the very next day. <laughs> I just, and I loved y'all. Let me not use love because I don't know this man like that. I I really appreciate the like how he has shown himself as a human being and a fighter in the UFC. Like this man is from, uh, Missouri, I forget the city, but a small town in Missouri, not a small town, a major city in Missouri that's had some serious issues. You had to overcome that. And he wasn't treated the best in the UFC. He still isn't treated the best in the UFC. The guy was one of the most active champions as far as um, X amount of bouts in like 12 months. And they still acted like he wasn't active. They tried to say he was a boring fighter because he fought Damian Maia and a few other fights boring. And then he goes out there and sparks Darren Till. And then it's like, oh, he's the greatest. And then he loses to Kamaru Usman again. And he's like, oh, he's trash. He's over. Like, this man can't catch a break. And it just happened again. He called, he was, I, it seemed like he was joking. It seemed like he was joking about Israel out of signing, being afraid of power and him like joking around. And Israel, of course, is going to respond because he has his ear to the ground. He hears everything and he wants everybody to know, I hear you, but I'm also going to fire shots back. And so Israel Adesanya called him just a coward, a few other things. And then people were just talking about how Tyron Woodley is just like this guy who's just trying to stay relevant, whether it's with his rap career or whether it's like with other things. And I guess just, I want you guys' opinion on what Tyron Woodley's next move should be. Like, how should he conduct himself like outside of the act and other things like that? Just, we got to help this man out because I, I need people to love him. You know something? Kairos, yeah. I know that Tyron listens listens to this show. Tyron, all I've got to say is, I'm falling in <laughs> out of love, in and out of love with no, you. No, I'm falling in and out of love. I apologize for making that song, and I apologize for making this video right now. I want to let you know this, Tyron, right now. I am so sorry. I didn't think it was gonna go as far as it did, and I. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I actually like the song. That's why I made a remix of it. It's not like that I don't like the song. I'm talking now. Let me stop. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. I mean, he is this um, chalk and cheese, this uh, yin and yang fellow that we've now like come to, well, <laughs> comprehend. Because when you think about it, think back to Strike Force Woodley. He wasn't this new incarnation which we're looking at, which we're feeling, which we're not feeling now. And to be honest with you, I like the Woodley that we are seeing now because Strike Force Woodley for me was not baited. He was somebody who was so calm, cool, and collected and wouldn't really kind of like raise the pulse of the paying public. 
Now, Tyron Woodley 2.0 does that for me. I like the, the sassiness. I like the fact that, you know, he's in people's faces. I like that he, 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 he's kind of personifying the, the always making trouble brand. So I love that. I want him to ramp that up, if, if, if anything. I don't want him to push that down. I, I feel that what we're seeing now is bona fide. And I think that's true, Tyron Woodley. Instead of, you know, basically pushing forward a personality, a persona that is constructed and, um, well, for public consumption, who he feels uh, needs to see that side of him. No, I, I feel he should be himself. And that's who I feel he's portraying now. I'm in complete agreement with you there, Mike. I remember early, early um, time Woodley in Strike Force. He almost seemed rather withdrawn, and he, he, he yep. is, yep. is, 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 as you said, he was kind of. It was almost as if he had this, this, this idea of what fighters should be and how they should act, and he was trying to conform to that rather than just being himself. Maybe that was because part in part down to the fact he was quite green into his career when he was in Strike Force, especially when he fought uh, Paul Daly. I remember he was pretty green into his his career then. But now I'm a fan of him just being is. It's not even brash. It's, brash isn't the right word. He's just being himself, to be honest. I, he's, he's just saying what comes to mind. He's just shooting from the hip. And personally, I love it, to be honest. Like, and I, as Kairos, you just said, I think the Israel Adesanya, uh, he, he doesn't, he's, uh, he's afraid of power. That's not verbatim, but that's something around the long lines he said. I think that was a joke as well. And I think he just took it and ran with it. And then the rest of the... The, the boot leakers and the the boot leakers the boot leakers <laughs> the boot you, you know what I meant I you guys know what I, I meant know. the I the, the boot li- the boot leakers and the ass kissers they just followed suit and then they're like oh yeah we'll just we'll jump on Tyron Woodley again and oh yeah this is reminders Tyron's trash he calls out everybody blah 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 because remember there was a time when Tyron was champion and he was he was he was calling for some big fights he was calling for some Nick Diaz he even wanted Connor. Like obviously mm-hmm. that actually had a bit of substance to it because they had that fit, uh, that stare down in the back in the backstage of the UFC two hundred five weigh-ins and I mean most people don't get sick for calling out Connor but Tyron who legit had a reason to to have a fight with Connor gets stick for it I, I don't know but as I was saying I'm loving this this same but new Tyron Woodley and long may he continue in this form. You're not wrong, though. People look for a reason, for lack of a better word, to crucify this man, even when, like, how many other champions at that time when he was champion were fighting repeat number one contenders? Very few. Everyone was chasing either second belts or super fights, and they were getting them. But a champion who actually has defended the belt multiple times can't get it, though. Uh, Yeah, okay. And, like, I just, and we we know where this is going, so I won't even go down that path. But let's just be real for a second. If, If this is who he is, which I'm not going to sit here and act like I know who he is. I think you guys have a better idea of who he is than I do. So maybe I had the wrong idea of who he was as a person to begin with. But either way, I like <laughs> I like both versions of Woodley. I just don't like the way that he is received by the fans. You know what I'm saying? For either version. Because it seems like no matter what he does, it's always wrong. Like, even when a fighter has the same exact stance as him and says the same exact things as him, they can be right and he'll be wrong. Like, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. No, I, I, I agree with you. And interesting point that you raised up there about Woodley facing back-to-back-to-back number one contenders. So, obviously, you had Thompson twice. Then you had Damian Maya, And then, I believe, was it, it was Darren Till afterwards and then Kamara Usman. 
I can't remember the last champion who took on number one contender after number one contender after number one contender other than the consensus great welterweight who Tyron Woodley was also wanted to fight, George St. Pierre. So, I mean, how can you begrudge a man who's following, not so much following in his footsteps, but is doing what the consensus great of all, the greatest of all time did, repeated title defense after title defense against killer after killer? It just baffles me that people got on for him for that. Yeah, I'm having a hard time thinking of who else has done that. I think uh, Joanna did that, and DJ... I'm having a tough time thinking about it. Yeah, you're right. Can I just offer this, though? Isn't isn't Tyron Woodley giving, giving us what we want? And that is, we want, I thought, our athletes to ask for fights and be specific about who they want and to needle people and to actually get us infused and to put together bouts themselves that actually get us chomping at the bit. Isn't that what we want? That's that, that's that's what we want to see. We don't want to wait for the UFC to have their matchmaking meeting every Tuesday and for, yeah. Dana, for Dana to move over yeah. and trip over here and be like, oh yeah, what about fighter in Division A moving up and waiting challenges and so-and-so or what about this fight together? We want to see fighters talking smack to each other and mm. making the fights that we want to see. Mm. I, I mean, so it, again, it just baffles me that when Tyron does what everybody else wants say like connor to do or nate diaz to do or masvidal to do now now following his stellar 2019 it baffles me that woodley gets flack for it it, it I, I i don't know maybe it's the beard maybe people don't like his beard i don't know okay all right Look, i'm just gonna come out and say it right i'm just gonna i'm gonna come out and say this is it because he is a black man saying these things. I'm just going to come right out and say it because you've mentioned a fair few fighters when they talk about being brash, when they talk about being confident, when they talk about being loud, when they talk about being in your face. Why is it always a problem when my man Woodley does every single thing that you're commending someone like Conor McGregor for doing? Well, I, I, I think this, is, this could just be a societal thing as well that some people don't like don't like people from ethnic minorities or say um, from the LGBTQ community speaking speaking out their mind or whatever or speaking out when they're feeling oppressed or whatever. I know Woodley isn't feeling oppressed in this situation or or whatever, but I think it just partly stems from that. He's he's raised this though on so many occasions. Look, I know if I was a white fighter, I'd be treated a lot differently. It's because I'm a black fighter. Now. The few times he's raised it, I have to say, this is must have been about 18 months ago. I thought, come on, man, that's a bit of a stretch. But when you see and when you compare and when you contrast what's actually happening around, basically other fighters doing exactly the same thing, why aren't they getting as much stick? So I can see where he's coming from, to be honest with you. I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Morgan. I'm calling you Dr. Morgan after that. <laughs> this is what, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because now you brought the curds out of me. He has been disrespected right. for years. And yes, it is because he's black. Let somebody else talk trash and only fight number one contenders in their white. Oh, he's the GOAT. Why has Jorge Masvidal's last three fights been so impressive when he beat a 145er who's no longer, not 145, a 155 who's no longer at 170, Darren Till who's no longer at 170, and a 170 who's retired. But suddenly he's great, but when Tyron Woodley beat Darren Till and everybody else before him, he was just average and those fighters were just great matchups for him. You people make Boom. me sick. You people make me so sick. <laughs> and you guys are going to act like he didn't write the blueprint on be beating Damian Mike. Like, oh, my, everyone has just repeated what he did to... Ugh. 
Yo, you got my blood pressure high. We good. <laughs> to, to, to quote the great Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> you people make me sick. <laughs> Wow. Okay, Kairos, if you're done with that yeah. one, I was going to close out the show by saying, gentlemen, thank you again for joining me on this, uh, on this, well, quarantine wokecast. And uh, speaking of quarantine wokecast, wokecast will be as it was last week, joining you more frequently. I'm hoping to catch up with Brendan Loftnane um, to talk about the ins and outs of this new. Uh, news which has transpired around PFL but also I'll be having a few more guests again this week joining me almost every single day so just before we close out the show I just wanted to say if there are any points any talking points that you want to um, get at us at on Twitter I'm sure you know this already but I'm available at Mike Woe TV gentlemen where can people um, get you on Twitter at Shisanga underscore my latter. come at me I fire shots. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, MMA on Twitter. You can fire shots, but I might not always respond. But when I do, I'll send a video. So don't don't come out here thinking it's sweet. <laughs> As always, until next time, make some trouble. <laughs>